Welcome to another episode of Batty Bitches. I'm your host, Brooke Zivarge of Bats Ceramics, and on this episode, I'm joined by fellow ceramic artist Kate B. We dive into the topic of artist identity, why we create what we create, and the intention we want our work to have. Looks like we're arriving at the cave now. It's time to get batty bitches. Hello, Kate. How are you? Oh, I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, It's a beautiful fall day out. Sun is shining here. How is... You're in California, right? Yes, I'm in Humboldt County, Northern California. True North. (laughs) <laughs> and I say that because when people go to San Francisco, they think that's like Northern California, but that's actually more su- uh, central. Okay. I've never been to the West Coast, so I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, San Francisco's pretty up there, but I'm like almost six hours more north of that. Oh, wow. So do you get snow because doesn't Northern California get snow? Uh, Shasta does, and Shasta's probably an hour away southeast. But I live in Humboldt, and the beach is like a mile away. So oh, wow. I'm sea level. But if I want to see snow, I can drive 45 minutes inland, and it will be there if the temperatures drop. Like right now, but since it's November, we're experiencing, you know, highs of 40. Yep. No, no. Highs of 30s, lows of 40s at night. Wow. So December, we'll probably get that. Yeah. Well, that's cool that you can actually see the snow if you really want to yeah and you know what in 2018 it snowed here at sea level i was like what the heck (laughs) (laughs) like my door had like almost a i don't want to say a foot but there was inches you know wow i mean there was people making snowmen on the plaza oh that's palm trees and stuff it was weird (laughs) (laughs) so how much snow do you guys actually get like what's the maximum amount that you've been around for in Humboldt, I lived here for 12 years, and that was the only time it snowed. Wow. But it was a lot. Like yeah, for you guys. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most snow that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime was probably three to four feet. Wow. Yeah. And you watched it happening? Yep. Yep. Wow. That was only a couple of years ago, actually. Yeah, it was a lot. It was fun. I've been tra- I traveled from Houston, Texas, which I lived there for five years, um, to Colorado. And it was like 15 below at some point. So I've definitely been in cold weather. And the roads were so icy that I kid you not, every car we did encounter had flipped or oh. had gone off the road. Yikes. So we were just passing like numbers of cars with cars abandoned, like Abandoned or people are in there trying to get help. Wow. I'm like, oh my god, what's gonna happen to us? <laughs> get off the road! <laughs> yeah, this big truck jackknife. We watched it happen. Um, wow, super scary. So yeah. that's kind of close. I didn't watch a lot of snow fall, but I watched a lot of cars fall in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The snow, not so. I I only like it during um like late November through December because of like the holiday season but Mm -hmm. after that I don't care if it doesn't snow yeah yeah it fits the season for sure it it gives the vibes yeah (laughs) 
All right, so this podcast episode is about artist identity, and I wanted to talk about really why we create the work we create and what messages we want to give off, and or maybe we don't want to give off a message and it's more of just we create because we can and we love to do it yes so do you think that art and artists create an identity within their artwork like for example like mine is very nature-based and that's kind of my identity as an artist do you believe that everybody should have an artist identity at some point I definitely think that what we put out into the world is a reflection of ourselves. And that that might not be our whole self because there's so many parts within us that make us. So I think it's hard to shy away from the thought that what you put out there isn't a representation of you. Um, And even if it's like um, a lot of people do Studio Ghibli, you know, with Mm -hmm. the... And, you know, we're not all Miyazaki, but we have a love for Japanese culture or anime or just the whimsy and innocence of the story. Yes. Um, and so I think that's a part of us. Um, so there, I think you can't hide from showing a part of your identity through your art. Definitely. It's somewhere inside you and it comes out through your art in one way or another (laughs) yeah definitely yeah so do you believe that all art is subjective and as in subjective i mean like anything can be art oh for sure yes and even though there's a lot of stuff out there we're like what the hell is that (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh who are we to judge and say what someone puts out there i think that's the great thing about art it can essentially be anything and everything. It, it encompasses so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's meaning, even if it has one or doesn't, like it's it's out there for you. And I think that's why abstract art's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I the one artist that always comes to my mind, um, Jackson Pollock, the, yes. he did just all the paint splatters on canvas. And to me... Back in, like, high school days, I was like, man, that's so boring to me because he's literally only slapping paint on a canvas and that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And now when I'm looking back at it, now that I'm older and I've witnessed the artist community more and, you know, like, my brain has gotten better, I guess, <laughs> um, wiser in, in ways, Um I feel like he was just doing it because he could do it and he wanted to express the paint in a different way and like you said it can be anything that we want it to be and that's what he wanted to do and and a lot of people gravitated towards it because a lot of other artists weren't doing what he was doing at that time period and that's what made him so popular. Yeah, I feel like, um, and in a sense, I I mean, I can relate, maybe everybody, maybe it's like this for everyone. Um, When I was making my work, first of all, let me just say, I never intended for ceramics to be a business. (laughs) Yeah, I was just making stuff to do it. And I just took a class and, um, you know, I was just sharing what I was doing in my life. Um, 
and it just got popular over time. Um, but I feel the act of making at that time in my life was very therapeutic. It was something that I actually like needed to do to get out of like a depression hole because things weren't working out for me. And maybe when Jackson was, you know, doing all of those splashes and paint, it was just a form of release, a form of yeah. expression, and it's helping him get it out. And mm -hmm. maybe it's confusing or, you know, boring or what have you to some, but for him, it was his work, his art and, and happenstance or whatever. It got really popular. And I yeah. guess, like you said at the time, because no one else was doing it. Yeah. And then people gave the excuse, like, and they still give this excuse to this day, like, oh, I could have done that. Well, you know, you didn't do it. And that's why he became so popular, because he was the only one who was really doing that style at that time. And and that opened up so many doors for different um, ways of expression through painting. Mm -hmm. I know we had, like, impressionistic painting from, like, Monet and Cezanne and Van Gogh. Um, but they still had like subject matter and they were still doing like plein air paintings and stuff like that. But Jackson Pollock was, he didn't have a subject matter. Yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. just slapping it. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely therapeutic. There, there's so many different ways to go about arts. Um, not just painting, but dancing, music, um, sculpture, like, and like you said, it was your, your therapy in a way like it helped you really get through something and you didn't know that it was going to turn into your job which is amazing I feel like a lot of ceramic artists find themselves in that situation of they were just doing it for fun as an escape and then it turned into something that they couldn't live without which I feel truly highlights if we do what we're naturally gifted and talented and love then what we do isn't work and yeah and, and and it just becomes like if you do what you love it will just feed you people will come because it's it's authentic you're aligning and when you're aligning it's a vibe that that, that kind of sends out that is such a good point i never even thought of that before like a lot of people are worried that they won't be able to pay their bills off of their work but that's an amazing point. Like, if you just do it and you love it and you show people that you love it, the love will come back to you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I think my saving grace was that I, I never thought, how am I going to make my living off of this? Like, I didn't burden myself with that because I was already mm -hmm. doing something else to support myself. And then it wasn't until while I was doing that primary job, I'd start to think about trimming. Or like, I want to get to that work that's at the studio. And I thought, well, you know, if my mind is being flooded with this now, even though I love what I'm doing, like it's, it was my first small business and it was based off of what I did study, which was ecological restoration, botany, wildlife, I'm, I'm sorry, watershed management. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And um, I was like, well, I don't want to cut corners, you know, doing this job because I love what I do. So let me lean into pottery and see where that will go. Cause I did have like an Etsy shop and I only opened it because like randoms would ask me on it on Instagram, do you have this? And I thought, Oh, people want stuff. 
oh, okay. Well, let me see what happens if I open a shop or something. Um, and the first things I made were like ashtray de bowlers, you know, so they weren't, I didn't have a style or nothing, you know, just making stuff for my friends. Um, and then when I didn't make it into the Peace Corps, um, I, I actually got accepted and I cleared medical clearance and I had a departure date. I was going to go to Cambodia, uh, which is where my dad is from. And so this this whole thing that I had planned out after I graduated. And two months before my departure date, they told me that they had too many overqualified applicants and that they no longer had a spot for me. Uh-huh. And so I'm just like, what do you, well, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I've been preparing for this. <laughs> and they asked me if I wanted to go to another country. Um, I, I said El Salvador because that's where my mother's from. And they said that they had no environmental programs out there and I thought why like everybody should have an environmental program something always has needs improvement um but you know how, how funding goes so I was in a yeah. ceramics class at the time and I just kind of like dove in elbows deep in clay like the feeling of it just the centering the whole process kind of took my mind away from the woes and I don't know finally getting the feeling of pulling up a wall because I wasn't really good at the beginning, you know. I actually no one is. <laughs> I, I I I literally was gonna give up after the first class because per- personally, I'm really good at a lot of things that I do. Like if I put my mind to it, I could do it. And I'm like, why is this clay coming up? <laughs> like, what is I did me? the same thing. <laughs> yep, I had the same boat. I was like, what is happening? I'm I feel like I'm really good at everything else, and everything comes to me so yeah. easily. <laughs> This isn't working. Yeah, I remember crying. I felt embarrassed. I'm just like, this is dumb. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I switched uh, teachers and a different time. And it was more focused and different environment. Right. And in the middle of that second class, the muscle memory and rhythm kicked. I'm like, oh, okay. It's more like a feeling, you know? You can't really force it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's been good. Yep. Well, I was going to ask you, like, what your artistic background and everything was, but I think you you got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I initially was a musician, and um, I did music from elementary, middle school, high school, college. And I was going to do that oh, wow. as my, like, my living. I, I imagined myself being one of the hired musicians that recorded for film music scores. Because I love, you know, soundtracks. They're always so mm-hmm. like riveting and energizing. They kind of tell, help tell a story. And so, yeah. um, but it's so cutthroat and competitive once you get to that upper, you know. And I played trumpet. And most, if not all, of my competitors were men. And I just hated it. <laughs> it was so, like, <laughs> toxic and sexist and... I, I got kind of like abused in high school. It was crazy. And uh, when once I realized this is bringing me no joy, I'm always like, a, I'm emotional mess. I don't ever feel good enough. I need, I need to not do this anymore. And so I asked myself, what else are you good at? You've done music like all this time. And I played up to 12 different instruments so I could be versatile, you know? And mm-hmm. um, I went to science. I was like, well, I have really great memory. <laughs> So I'm like, well, I'm going to do medicine because, you know, that's where the money is. And I was a licensed phlebotomist. I was um, studying to be a pharmacy technician so that I could, you know, do that while I would study. And then I started backpacking. And I'd like, 
ask myself, oh, what's this? You know, I didn't really study natural sciences. Like, what's this rock? And can I eat this plant? Everywhere I went, is this plant edible? <laughs> so I started learning about natural sciences. And I thought, okay, you know what? I want to... I want to like do this and I started learning about all the devastation and all these environmental disasters and I started becoming like an environmental warrior and I'm like oh my god I have to do something and so I got my degree <laughs> in ecological restoration and then for four years I ran and did um, restoration events in Humboldt County with the city um, and it ranged from watershed management, salmon and habitats, you know, and removing invasive plants, planting natives, um, talking about biodiversity with native plants, um, doing nursery work. It was really great. And then that's kind of how I started my first small business. It was first introducing natives to communities around here. And a lot of people in Humboldt are older and they don't know what they have on their property. So I'd identify plants. Uh, tell them what plants worked well um, and then because they're older they started inviting me to their homes and then I kind of become caretakers like if they needed help cleaning their house it became a whole thing <laughs> I oh, know wow. and then um, <laughs> yeah I was like well I'll do this until um, I go to the Peace Corps and then that's the story I started telling you and then my ceramic journey began wow I love your degree that you got. That's amazing. I think more people need to know the plants around them, especially if, like, what if we have, like, I hope not, but what if we have another civil war and things go to shit? We need to know where to get our food yes. if, if need be, it's you know? It's so wonderful when you can walk out. Like, when you know what's around you, you feel really connected. You have an understanding. Definitely. And it's like you're among, you're among friends, you know? <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I totally get that. Like, I have a, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but a good handful of like foraging books and mushroom books and what you can and can't eat. And I like to do a lot of research online about it because I'm also really into uh, foraging, like um, making my own tea blends with the oh, herbs fun. and plants around yeah. me. So, yeah, I, I needed to know what I can't eat. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just self-empowering. It is. It, it, it's so, you know, and then I hate it when people are like, why are you picking that? Like, what are you doing with it? And I'm like, I'm going to use yeah. it for my benefit. Yes. Why aren't you doing it? Like, why are you mowing it down? Like, come on. Yeah. And people think that there's a weird stigma about it but i feel like more people need to know because like you said it connects you better with nature it makes you feel like more of a humbled person when you know the things around you yeah it's just a steward a it's better steward for the planet you know, which is our home yeah i want to dive into now that you told me like your past and now you're into ceramics, do you think that your past and everything that you've been through brought you to a realization for your, your, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of those days. <laughs> I want to know where your inspiration comes from, basically. Like, I've noticed with your posts on Instagram, you 
are into bondage, which I think is really cool. And I noticed that you do um, nature-inspired. You put a lot of quotes on your work. Um, you're all about, like, social justice and all that. And I just want to know, like, where does that come from? Well, I have this... Um... I want to say it's like my tagline now because that's I, I say it often um, that my work is an an sorry my work is an amalgamation of all that I've opened my heart to, and so mm. everything I put out, I'm really I'm really about. <laughs> so um, yeah. And that ranges from, like you've seen, natural resources and environmental aspects because I have a bachelor's degree and two minors and in those things. And so it's things that I really love. Um, a lot of my uh, courses for the botany minor were in mycology. And so that's why you see a lot of mushrooms. So it's not like, oh, I love mushrooms. I fucking know about them. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I ra I do wraparound designs of anatomy of, I, I call them the ABC of mushrooms, because it includes uh, ammonitas, boletes, and chanterelles. And those are mm -hmm. pretty iconic in, in the mushroom communities. And so, you know, instead of just yes. like drawing them for funsies, like, how about I tell you about them? And so I do little cut diagrams of what the inside looks like so you know inside of a stipe that's where the hyphae is and if you cut that open that's where like the basidia are and the, the basidia is where like the spores are and so I basically mm -hmm. do a cut where the basidia is where these are where the spore drops the spore drops from underneath the hymenophore which is under the cap so why don't we just learn these terms instead of like under the cap that's called hymenophore and instead of the cap it's called a pileus and the stalk it's actually called a stipe and so i just make terms wrap around the mug so as you're drinking and having a moment in your morning you're also feeding your mind and you're learning and, and like we were just talking about connecting i love that yeah so i like to think that my work is not only like a part of me and what i've owed my heart to but it's not just a mug you're going to have on your shelf it's like a talisman it's going to add to your life not just for aesthetics but like my pet portraits a lot of people contact me for those because they've lost something and it they want to encapsulate it essentially forever and for whatever reason they love my style and when they receive their pet in the rendition that i have carved like they cry and they are i mean the, the that connection that movement that i can do from thousands of miles away that's priceless and the fact that you trust me mm -hmm. with something like that i'm like getting emotional i'm just like that is so like <laughs> i love the intimate the intimate connections that we can build through art and especially tangible functional work like not just stuff you hang on your wall but something that you engage with every day that adds like more good energy and just more love. And that really sparks joy in my life, which I ultimately am seeking. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> You're making me feel emotional <laughs> now. <laughs> get it out, Kate. Just get it out. <laughs> 
I'm like, well, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> what inspires me? So yeah, the, the bondage thing. I, um, I'm definitely into rope tying because as someone who uh, likes control over all aspects of my life, that is actually the opposite where I give control to somebody else, but it feels safe. It's usually with somebody that I know and it's like a cradling feeling to be tied. Some people are like, oh, that's weird, but it's, mm-hmm. it's like hot yoga. It's, it's, um, and it's has to do with energy. It has to do with trust, but it also has to do with letting go. And so, uh, I'm trying to break that stigma about it by sharing it more through, uh, a nice aesthetic. I don't really focus on the se- sexual aspect, which many think of. Um, I like to, in the series that I that I recently did, I focus on like certain body parts. So it's not just the whole. Um, and then I kind of juxtaposition mm-hmm. the tie with flowers or ginkgo leaves or something delicate. Um, so yeah, that's something that I love. And then the mantra mugs. I have, I, and that was just something that I made for myself because I go to therapy. I've been going to therapy for a long time because I have a lot of trauma in my life. And one of the ways to rewire your brain are affirmations. But to take the affirmations a step further for myself, I thought, why don't I literally carve it out? And not just once, but like if I repeat it. So my first one was self-loving badass. And I remember when I wrote that the first time, I was like, oh, my God, like, I feel lame. You know, <laughs> like, what is one kid? Like, I don't feel this way, you know, and to empower and encapsulate that vibe. I did it over and over and told myself, yes, you are. You believe it. And it became my first mantra mug line. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this for other things that I need to work on for myself just as a work in therapy. Um, because if I can take it into from 2D to 3D and then work it in, in all of its processes, um, it's just a physical reminder. And then if it resonates with the community, all more the better the healing. It goes even further. So that's yeah. what inspires the mantra line. Yeah, that is really great the way that you're repeating it because the more we hear something, the more we're going to believe it. And it also goes into um, like witchcraft and mm-hmm. spell making. We have to repeat the um, the quote over and over again as if we're manifesting yes. it into yes. reality. Yeah, so that's very huge in my my mind like just repeating something that you really believe in and eventually it's gonna spark something within you and it's gonna happen like it's you're gonna feel it yeah that's amazing i love that so how long did it take you to find your voice through your art or do you feel like you haven't found it yet because because a lot of people feel like they haven't well found i, I their that was a question yet. i was like i threw to my sister like what does that mean because my voice is there what what when did i lose it you know (laughs) (laughs) that's true (laughs) well it's more of like when people see your work what message are you trying to come across and what you want to be remembered as through your artwork you know like like uh 
my art is very animal-based, uh, nature, conservation, stuff like that. And I feel like it comes across through my artwork. And I also like to, through my newsletter, I like to give fun facts about the animal or what's happening in the world and all that stuff. So I, I am hopefully teaching others about the animal that I'm painting or the plant that I'm painting or even like this past uh, restock, I did my Halloween restock and I gave a lot of facts about like how Halloween started and where it came from and Samhain and the Day of the Dead yeah. and all that stuff. So I'm hoping that people are acknowledging all of these facts and things that they're learning through my art and when they purchase it it reminds them of that and then they take that memory of being like oh i learned this through this piece of beautiful artwork that i have through this artist and i'm gonna continue to take that knowledge throughout the rest of my life and act upon it and recycle more or donate my money to organizations that need help or I'm going to compost instead of throwing away my garbage all the time. Like those little things can make really big impacts and that's my voice through okay. my artwork. Well, I guess the voice thing, I guess I feel we as people aren't static and we're always changing and evolving. And so my voice is going to reflect that. So I think that's why I don't have one thing going on with my work. And, you know, as I mentioned, there are different parts of me that make a whole. And so I find my voice in mm -hmm. everything that I, I put out, but it's always going to change as I get older. You know, I, I, I used to do like oh, a, yeah, a, a lot more salmon uh, moti motifs in my earlier days because I was involved with um, Smith River fish counts annually and I don't do that anymore and so I don't really visit those designs because they don't really speak about who I am now um, but if someone were to like request it during customs okay I'll be open to it <laughs> but but presence <laughs> you know, gener generally reflects what I'm going through and what I'm into now um and then the thing about what do I want to be remembered? Because there's so many different aspects to my work, I guess as a whole, I want people to remember me as someone who doesn't compromise on my values, my morals, my standards, my racial and social and environmental justice uh, feelings, uh, mm -hmm. someone who doesn't compromise on love. Uh, I want them to remember me as someone who stood up for all of these things. Uh, someone who walks the walk as well as talks the talk. I want people to remember me as a <laughs> badass, a true artist, uh, an empathetic healer, um, a generous, kind friend. Yeah, I definitely see that through your artwork with the social injustice and everything and all the quotes that you put on your work and the love that you put into it and also just the imagery that you put on it, you can really feel it. And all the detail work that you put into it, you obviously I love do. what you do because you're putting all of this detail into it. And it yeah, really shows. People, not a lot, but like pe enough people have said, you know, God, that must take you a long time. Or I wouldn't do that. You're like, I'm thinking, first of all, who asked you? <laughs> Second, uh, I do this <laughs> clearly because I enjoy it. It's a labor of love, but love nonetheless. Um, I just recently did a batch for a wood fire that I'm going to be doing this month. And it's, I had to like, 
it took so much energy to not carve on the bodies because I love like doing and adding and all the little details. I'm all about the details. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for noticing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we kind of just talked about it, but the question is, what do you want people to think of when they see or use your functional work? And I, I think you kind of, um, you, you brought up many aspects about that question already. So well, if you I don't want to answer it again. I want people to feel empowered when they're using the mug. Yes. I want them to feel good. Um, I want them to feel connected to something more. That's great. Yeah. I, when people use my work, I would like them to acknowledge that nature is a part of them and not take Aww. it for granted. So that's where I come from. And then when, like, it's the fun mugs that just, uh, I don't know, like, have the Halloween yeah. mugs. Which the pumpkins stuff. look so I, good I want on them. Those. Yeah. Oh, thank <laughs> you. I'm really proud of them. <laughs> but, yeah, I just like the fun mugs. I just want them to have fun. I want them to spark yes. joy in them and just enjoy the time, the holiday, or whatever they celebrate and just have a great day like starting off your day with a piece of artwork you know that came from someone else's hands i think that's so powerful yeah. just in itself why do you create the work you create like you're i think you already touched on that already again um like your subject matter your colors your details like is there a reason why well, i guess now you... it's because i ha i it's my job <laughs> like okay now you've decided <laughs> this is your primary income what you're gonna make now um, right when, yeah yep. when get before, going it was like <laughs> I, I was doing two different things um and then I, I had a partner at the time and so bills were always split but I, I've only been doing this for five years now uh full time and that was a scary ass step because at the beginning mm -hmm. like I said I lived in an RV park and my partner worked at the RV park, so our rent was already 50% off. And then we were splitting that 50% off. So there wasn't that much demand financially to be made from my, my pottery. Um, but yeah, doing this now, I'm like, oh, well, let's see what popular designs like were good, you know? <laughs> and so I'll try to yeah. make those. But also asking myself, are you still about this, you know, or have you moved on? Does it feel like a chore doing this? And that's why I try to limit, like, if I do offer pre-orders, which is something that I'll, I'll do now because I didn't before, I'll limit the number because if I make, like, more than 12 at a time, now it's feeling like production or work. And it's, I didn't feel good. And yeah. I don't want to make work when I don't feel good because I'm all about the energy. And I want good energy to be Same. in the work when I'm making it. A hundred percent. Yeah. So do you feel the same way about like your color schemes? Because when I, I feel like when I think about your work, I'm seeing a lot of reds and blues and some mm. oranges. Am I oh, right Oh, that's in so that? interesting that you say that. <laughs> because no, I, I, I'm actually, I hired someone to do my website, which I've never done before. I always just like, I was using Etsy for a long time and they've got templates and stuff. And, um, yeah, I was now recently using pattern, which is even less. And, uh, when they showed me 
what they'd been working on, I was like, oh, I didn't really like the colors. But the main theme oh, no. colors <laughs> were like navy blue, burnt orange. Um, what else? <laughs> like a beige earth color brown, which I kind of liked. And a bright yellow. Because they said, you know, yellow alerts. And it's supposed to catch your eye. And it's going to be the top banner color. Anyways, I didn't really like the colors. But you're telling me that you see blue, orange, and reds? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, I... I I guess I use the colors um, depending on the design. Like if they're customs, I, I just I use a lot of different color underglazes. And if it's a beach, you know, it's going to have blues and sand colors. But my glazes, um, I often think people can't even see because I usually share the drawing, which is on the front. And then the glaze on the backside is like almost an afterthought, even though I love the glazes. People are so drawn to my carvings. And so um, mm -hmm. I almost think like the, the Cone 10 High Fire Glazes don't get the love that they deserve. Yeah. So do you do. fire to Cone 10? Wow. In uh, electric kiln uh, or gas? Gas, reduction, and oxidation. There's two different ones. Yes. Wow. I never knew that. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> Wow. A lot of people don't fire that high anymore because of, like, the electricity and a lot of people are at home and they can't get their exactly. kiln to go that yeah. hot anyways. Well, this is yeah. the only, this is the so, first and only that's collective cool. that I joined. I mean, that's where I learned and that's what they had. And so I feel fortunate that that's what I got, you know, <laughs> and the fact that they have two. Yeah. And they're nice size, but I'm limited to the amount that I can fire every week because of that. And, you know, we've just doubled in membership, like over, you know, pandemic, everybody wants to learn stuff. And um, mm -hmm. it took me a little bit to learn the, the glazes because they're so variable and like depending on where you place them and it's just so hot. Um, but I've been there now for eight years, mm -hmm. so there are definitely key combinations of high-fire glazes that I love to use. And so I kind of have a palette now going on with that. But when it comes to the designs, it's usually like a black mat for the, the sky and the stars and maybe some blues and white even. I don't even know. It just depends on the design because... Uh, I use white porcelain, but I stain it all the time. Yeah, yeah so I, I noticed don't, that. I don't like white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. White is boring. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, do you have like a, a mindset when you're choosing these colors, or do you just you use those colors because you are used to using those colors in your studio and that's what you know and that's what comes out good all the time. Or do you have, like, this is why I want this color for this mug because um, more of this. The, More the former. It's like, okay, now I know yeah. this is how this is going to look and I really like it. Um, but even so, um, there's a couple of the glazes that have routine in them and it's like, it might pit, it might not. What? <laughs> So, yeah, yes. that's so frustrating. <laughs> so even though that happens with some of the combinations because of that, I still hold on to it because when it comes out great, it comes out great. 
Yeah, it does. Blue yeah. or teal is beautiful. Yeah. Um, when I choose my colors, it, it depends on the design, what, like, the painting. I like to think about color theory. So See, say, you have that advantage because I, I have. I, I, I didn't go to school for that. So I'm like, what do you mean by color theory? <laughs> Well, it's <laughs> it's not that hard. A lot of people think color theory is like, oh my god, this is like way out of my league. But you just got to think of the color palette. Like, if you think of a rainbow, you got red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, and then pink. If you want to get technical, I was like, what? Um, what do you and mean then pink? you have get technical. <laughs> <laughs> um, if. <laughs> pink or magenta whatever you know all the and that's getting super technical if you want to get into the color names i i can't even start that that's too much but yeah if you take a rainbow and you turn it into a circle and then you got red across from red is green so you're thinking about your complements and when you put a complementary colors next to each other so red and green yellow and purple orange and blue when they're next to each other, they make each other oh, sure. more vibrant. And, yeah. So that's what I'm thinking when I'm thinking about oh, so my glazes. I, probably, I do I, do that and I'm aware of that. I just don't know what it's called. Okay. Yeah, cool. it's just color theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just thinking about um, your compliments, basically. That's, that's, the, that's the word. Okay. Compliments. What is complementing each other for design aspect? So, yeah, when, say, I'm going to be painting cardinals, and cardinals are red, so I want my glaze to probably be green, so it makes the cardinal pop off the mug more Yeah, color -wise. I did that with the uh, Kinbaku series. So the flowers are red, so it's essentially like the primary of the design, and then the body's left raw, mm -hmm. and then the glaze is green. It's like a different types of green. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's cool. color theory. Ta-da! <laughs> and then you can get into, like, your secondary colors and your tertiary. And it's, yeah, it becomes too much. But uh, <laughs> I also think about texture in glaze, like how you can get crystals yeah. and stuff and, cra yeah, and crazing. And that also I refer to the painting, like, say... Um, I'm trying to think of an animal that has like, like, I haven't ever painted a cheetah, but if I ever do, <laughs> I would probably glaze it with, um, speckles in it, like those little black crystals to mimic the spots oh, in cool. a cheetah. Yeah. So that's how I also think about, um, the animal is being reflected through the glaze and the glaze is helping the painting yeah. speak more, you know? Yeah, that's how I go. And I also, I realized this this past year, actually. I never knew that, well, I, I guess I did, but then I didn't really comprehend it very much in my mind at the moment. <laughs> but that the glazes that I use are very um, reflective and of myself. Like, my glaze palette is so colorful. Like, I use so yeah. many colors. Like, any, like, everything and anything that I can get my hands on. And then I look down at the clothes I'm wearing, and I'm like, I'm wearing tie-dye. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so it's so funny and i wear tie-dye like all the time like probably every other day if i if i can yeah i wear it a lot so yeah i just i never knew that myself i am being reflected into my artwork that's just more of like my artist identity is coming up through my art because i'm just i feel like i'm a very colorful person i feel like i'm an introverted extrovert so obviously it's just gonna shine through my work in some way or another and you know i was kind of ticked off um the other day i posted a video and i took it down and it was like a show me what you're wearing type of real like artist um like i'm wearing tie-dye and my work yeah. is super colorful like That's i want to yeah. know like is your work re- yeah reflecting yourself basically and somebody commented and was like no my work is so like monochromatic and i am a colorful person i was like well i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i don't know it was just like they just took your joy they they yucked your like my yeah my yeah they really did (sighs) yeah so do i so yeah, um, I guess not all everybody's art is reflective of themselves in a way. Like, uh, what's the artist? I think you brought him up who does um, the Kiki oh, delivery uh, service and cat castle in the sky. Yeah, isn't he like himself is like very um. He doesn't Agreed. dress colorfully, but his artwork yes. is super colorful. So I guess they were, like, in that way. Like, your mind is different than what you're portraying in real life, in reality. But I think that's so, uh, in a way, it's kind of sad. Like, just be who, yeah, just be who you want to be. And societal, are you worried? Or are you just, like, subconsciously just trained or that plugged in that you feel you've got to just express yourself in this one way? When really you feel, obviously, or are trying to express in a different way. Um, so just connecting, I guess, with our inner child and feeling comfortable enough to let them out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's also a great point. Like, your inner child, I never knew that, well, ugh, I'm having like a brain <laughs> fart again. This is an issue that I always have when I record podcasts, the brain fart. I need a (laughs) fart button. (laughs) But I was saying in my mind um, that your inner child really reflects in your adulthood. Like, if you look at my work, it's super colorful and it's like kind of reflective of like Mattel and like toys Mm -hmm. are super colorful and I had a lot of trauma growing up as a child, like born with cleft lip, cleft palate, holes in my heart, like always in the doctor's office, always doing like something was wrong with me. So I guess I still like gravitate towards that small child aspect. Like I want everything to be colorful. I want to feel happy and joyful because I kind of was really, really sad when I was little and... I, the only thing that really made me happy was yeah. playing with my toys. And I took care of my toys. And I really, 
I took a lot of passion. And I actually, growing up, I thought I was going to be a toy designer. I thought I was going to, like, create things for Barbie (laughs) or Bratz dolls. (laughs) Yeah, like, I just Mm -hmm. took it a step further. And it's more for myself than anybody else, which is more. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, into another question (laughs) here. Um... (laughs) How difficult do you think it is for talking about your own artwork? Do you think it's difficult for you to talk about your work to a stranger or to a friend or writing an artist statement? Well, I or, guess for me, I, I definitely you know need all structure. that structure. Like, do, does this friend or person like have a direct question? Like, I definitely don't have a problem talking about my work if there's a question about it. Um, but if it's just like a flat out, tell me about your work, well, how long do I have, you know? <laughs> There's so much to say. Yeah, right? <laughs> there is. So no, I don't have trouble talking about it because there's so much about it. There's different avenues I could take it. Um, I do not. Yeah. I feel like when you're super passionate about something, it's kind of hard not to yeah. talk about it, you know? Because you got so much dedication into it and passion into it. Yeah, and I guess that even talking, you just even spills out of you. Maybe a um, controversial subject, let's say, um, they could be considered triggering and might be considered like, oh, it's hard for you to talk about because it's triggering, or maybe it's like a taboo subject. But I feel like talking about it just kind of helps the healing overall. Definitely. Yeah, and how how can we not talk about certain subjects, you know? Like, things have to be talked about to get to a better place or to resolve a problem. Yeah. So, have you ever written an artist statement Uh, before? I'm probably not a real one. (laughs) (laughs) Well... They say that they're like the academics and stuff about it. Like they say that it has to be written in this certain manner and it has to come across this certain way. But you know, it's changed over time so much that an artist statement can just be like one to two sentences of like why you I've create the work. I've definitely been in galleries and I have been asked to write an artist statement. Um, I just wrote one yesterday for an art magazine. Um, had to be 55 words oh, or less. <laughs> and I was like, damn, how am I going <laughs> to say is small. Well, Okay. You know, so. Isn't that so hard? That's the hard part about writing an artist statement is that you ha- have to keep it short and sweet, but you have so much you want to talk about that it's really hard to like squish it all together, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I've written lengthier ones for like local galleries. Um, and then, you know, shorter one like yesterday because it's for a magazine. Sweet. So the next question, we talked about this um, before we started recording, but now that I told you a little bit about it, do you think it's important to know artistic language if you know artistic oh, language? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think knowing any kind of language like if you know it well then you can speak it and it just makes it easier for you um and and, you know there's no misunderstandings or whatever whether it's slang or um you know 
an institutionalized artistic term for something. Um, but like we just discussed earlier, mm-hmm. color theory, like what? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's artistic and language. Questions and then realize, okay, I just didn't have the language or the words to describe what I actually do do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and that's, it's totally okay to be asking questions, too. Like, if you're out and about, and you're at a gallery, and the artist is there, like, it's so, it's actually helping the artist at the same time if another person is asking them questions about their work, because sometimes, if it's a question that that artist had no idea, like, that came up in their own mind and you're asking it and they're like something clicks within them and they're like oh my god i never noticed that before that that's so cool that like thank you for doing that for me so exactly so if you guys have any questions out there to any artist or just in general like just ask it like there's there's no bad questions i guess the fear is if there's a fear of like judgment you know just hierarchy because one has the knowledge and one doesn't and when it comes to the scene of galleries and like that kind of side of art it can be very judgy (laughs) oh yeah definitely and scary i'm just like "Mm, i don't know if i want to know that language (laughs) (laughs) i totally agree like I've been in a couple galleries, but it's it's really it's not that all what it's hyped up yeah. to be. To be honest, I'd rather have my small community online and just do whatever yeah. I want. Really, <laughs> yeah, it's not that important. But when it comes to talking, to being able to talk about your work with artistic, and I'm like, who language, are we talking to then? I guess is the important thing. What crowd am I trying to speak? do i need that language that's a good point too yeah like when you're at like a vendor show or a craft fair you don't need that language at all because you know exactly (laughs) yeah they don't know so who there's no reason to to bring it up descriptions all the time at the beginning because it was something that i saw from gallery driven like types of people and over the years, mm-hmm. I've realized like, that no one cares. No one knows what, what that even means. Um, just no. put the measurements and say that it's not safe. It exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do, too. I just put how many fluid ounces it is. And if it has gold or mother pearl, yeah. not microwave or dishwasher safe, that's yeah. all they need to know. <laughs> yeah, but I think it is... If you are writing an artist statement and for a gallery or to make yourself um, seem more knowledgeable Credibility. or what have you, then yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, artist language is something good to have on your back if if yeah. need be, you know? And it's, it does make you sound more professional mm-hmm. in some ways. So that's nice to have mm-hmm. if you need it. Um how important do you think it is, speaking of galleries and how judgy it is, do you, how important do you think constructive criticism is well, when see, talking I'm about your See, I'm over here artwork? like it depends on where it's coming from and if it's unsolicited. Because <laughs> I'm like, mm. if I'm not asking you, well, then it's inappropriate. I don't need it. <laughs> and that might be your opinion, you know. 
Um, yeah. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I think um, unsolicited advice in person is a little iffy. Like, I'm like, ugh, like, I don't want your advice because I don't know you and I don't know if you know what you're mm -hmm. talking about, you know? Yeah, but if it's coming from someone who I know and if it's another artist who I know or a friend that is an artist or, or not even an artist but like a family member or someone who I love and who I... Uh, what's the word? Brain fart. Um... Someone who I think it has a credibility. I would appreciate their opinion and I would appreciate their advice because I feel like taking constructive criticism can be beneficial um, for growing your artwork and becoming better at a certain thing that you're doing. You know, it's it's like as if my handles look really thin and someone says oh like have you ever noticed that this could break or something see, like that like, what if it's coming from like, another artist why ask me why are you concerned did i ask you like <laughs> that's where i'm coming from like if i'm working on something in the studio and someone just came behind me and was like hey something about my handle that's a, like a, a direct judgment i i i didn't ask for any of that so it's like who's it coming from and is is it appropriate because as you described, if it's someone who's in the art community, someone that you know and trust, that you, you know, believe in, and you ask them, and they tell you, for sure, I mm -hmm. totally welcome it. I, I want it. <laughs> but give it to me if when yeah, I ask. Yeah. Or if it's a class setting, and, it's, and I'm meant to receive that, I'm all open for it. I want to grow. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, I think... Like, looking back, when I was on Instagram, and this usually happens, because in reality, I am a, a bit of a judgmental <laughs> person, and, <laughs> and I critique people's artwork. Like, it just happens. Like, it's just the artist in me. I am automatically see things that I love about it and what I don't love about it, or what I want to change and what I want more of. So... I remember on Instagram, I was scrolling through, and I follow this artist, and she follows me back, and we've talked back and forth before, so I was like, okay, we already have a repertoire together, like, we already know each other a bit, and her mugs looked a little, like, the handles looked a little iffy, like, because the mug body was ginormous compared yeah. to the handle. And I was like, oh, I really don't want those to crack on her. Like, I would feel horrible because she put so much time and effort into them. So I was just like, maybe add a little bit of clay around the top of the handle just yeah. in case, you know. Or, like, the weight might be iffy and it might crack. Just wanted to let you know. And I don't know if she took it in a nice way. Like, it was a little bit of unsolicited. Like, I just put myself out there. But I hope that... It helped in a way. I don't know. Like, I hope that all of my advice, like, did even if it's random, comes up. See, I don't I, think that, she to did. me, that tells me that <laughs> she took it to offense. And, she didn't and, want and it. And it's like, I can't yeah. hear what your intentions were. But for her, she's just yeah. like, who are you? And like you described, she doesn't <laughs> know your background. 
And I'm over here third party watching thinking that's a journey she might have to learn on her own. Let her learn that and discover that that's what needs to happen when she makes that handle next time. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was just like, oh, jeez, I yeah. don't want that to crack you know on her, like, and I feel like it's going to crack. who try to teach their kids <laughs> lessons before the lessons truly needed to be learned, mm -hmm. and then they do the thing anyway. It's that kind of thing. Or not that kind of thing, but same yep. book, different page. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Constructive criticism when you want it is a great thing. When you don't want it can be yeah, a little off-putting. And, and I want to like just yeah. split hairs and say like, even if you don't want it, if you're in a class setting where it's going to happen, be open to it, you know? Because sometimes it can hurt because you think you're not good enough, but know that something good can come out of it. Just embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the reason why I'm so into critiquing artwork is because it was really drilled in our yeah. head in art school to critique your own artwork and then critique your peers' artwork yeah. at the same time. And it just really stuck with me and resonated with me. And I don't know, I, I always like, oh, I could be a gallery critiquer, like make, like, I don't know, like critique artwork for a There's living or like <laughs> But then again, that's my opinion, though. My opinion can be completely different than your opinion and someone else's opinion. Like, you shouldn't run with one person's opinion on everything, you There's know? There's this quote. Um, it's like a sentiment, and they say Maya Angelou said it, but they also said some guy said it. But basically, people won't remember what you said or what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Ooh, yeah. That is true. Yeah, so we just gotta be gentle yeah. with it, I guess. <laughs> that <laughs> that was my next question. Like, um, do you have any tips for um, giving criticism or taking criticism? Well, I criticism? guess the first, if you're gonna give it, wait to be asked. Like, don't just give it because you're just shitting on somebody. Like, you're... It's unnecessary yeah. and, and, like we said, unsolicited. But if you're receiving and you mm -hmm. asked, I hope you're emotionally prepared, you know? <laughs> um, yes, really, always like, be just, prepared. Just know who you are at the core, you know? And this is, again, someone sharing their perspective. It could be uneducated or not. Um, but if you're truly happy with what you're putting out there and what you're doing, um, maybe that little handle only fits a pinky but if you love it let it be <laughs> oh man yeah i love one finger handles they're so <laughs> funny and they, they just i just love just poking my finger in it and obviously it's a little uncomfortable to hold but you know it's so characteristic of that piece and it just yeah, speaks yeah. for itself you know yeah <laughs> yeah i totally agree um what about when you see something and you just want to say it, but obviously you want to hold yourself back? Do you think it's okay to ask the person, like, can I give you advice? Oh, Do for you sure. feel comfortable I mean, with me saying I'm this? I'm all about consent culture. So if, if you feel compelled, yeah. definitely ask permission. And if they say no, then there you go. <laughs> yep. Yep. Then back off. 
<laughs> Smile away, boys. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down, always start um, softly and start off with what you enjoy about the work before you bring up things that you wish to change. Um, and remember, it's only one opinion. It's not a loss when someone tells you their opinion. It's just an opinion. You don't have to get all up like, oh my god, my work is yeah, horrible now. Yeah, but some people now. are like, there, no, you it's... know? So it's like, we gotta tread lightly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And when taking criticism, op always take it with an open mind. Being open can help you learn things that you wouldn't have thought of on your own. And you just take it with a grain of salt. Maybe um, tweak it. Like, tweak your work if you think it needs to be tweaked. Or just, like, you know what? Fuck them. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, you know your artwork. You know who you are. And you don't have to change it yeah. for someone else. You know? Yeah. So, my next question is, what do you want to be remembered as when people think of you as an artist? I think before, like, about half an hour ago, you brought up, like, you wanted to be known as like uh like all those things <laughs> that you said <laughs> the high points of you know, standards morals values racial and social environmental justice and love yes yeah all that Definitely. <laughs> and then of course walking the walk instead of just talking the talk a lot of people do that and um an essential yes. badass <laughs> definitely <laughs> And for me, I think I want to be known for as someone who cares about wildlife conservation. I want to be known as funny and kind and a wildlife activist. And I'm not afraid to say if I was wrong and I'm able to learn from my mistakes and from my failures and create lessons and yeah. And, I just want to be known as someone who really cares about her surroundings. And I want other people to care about their surroundings, too. Like, I want it to reflect yeah, back yeah. and forth, you know? Yeah. So do you think it's important for an artist to have an identity through their work? I feel like we have so many. So um, I, I think it's kind of like the first question that we asked. It's hard to run from that. Um, there's no one yes. identity. I don't even know how to encompass that. Um, so yes, it's it's. I think as far as important, I'm not sure. I think it's almost like essential as a part of the work. You you it, you can't break the two away from one another. I don't know how someone could deny it because it ultimately is coming from your mind, your heart, your hands. Yeah, definitely. Even the people who say like, oh, I'm just creating to create. But deep down, yeah. there is a reason. Like you can't mm -hmm. shy away from that. Yeah. Do you have any advice for artists who are struggling to find their voice? Um, well, if people are struggling, when I think of like finding voice in, in work, I, I kind of imagine that's synonymous with like having a brand or like a design that is recognizable. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, well, I think then you should just focus on on therapy and like self knowing, because once you connect with yourself 
And a lot of times people have trouble doing that because they have trauma that they haven't processed. And that's why I say therapy is important. Mm. Then you won't feel like you're struggling to find this voice. And so once you connect with yourself and you know yourself and you prioritize self-care and self-love, because that's kind of what kicked off my journey. I was making like fun things, like I said, de-bowler ashtrays, but I didn't start... I guess finding my voice, which was like mantra mugs and the things until I really started focusing on my life. I left that 13 year relationship and I switched pottery into full time the same year I left. And I, even though I was afraid of how, how am I going to make this income? My therapy was my priority because honestly, I couldn't even work at the wheel. I was having anxiety attacks every single day. Uh, one lasted almost three full days where I'm like shaking, vomiting. Wow. I can't, I, I wasn't living anymore. And I thought there that doing clay was my therapy until my body and my mind were so like in need of more help than just clay that it took over my body. Mm-hmm. Like I was literally shaking and throwing up. And so <clears throat> until I made therapy a priority, <clears throat> And I focused on my health and my wellness and my mind. <clears throat> Did that inform me on, on what I needed to do? And so I feel artists who are struggling, therapy, you know, be kind to yourself. We are our own worst critics. Um, mm-hmm. Stay hydrated and sleep well. I didn't really care about my sleep hygiene, but it's so important. I'm just remembering that you have this moment. You got this. And where you want to go, you'll get there. It's one day at mm-hmm. a time. And the ultimate of stop comparing yourself with others. Because all journeys toward death are different. And to enjoy True. ourselves and, and, and really love ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I think once we get down to the nitty gritty of what's really important to us in life for our mental and our physical health, things will just fall like dominoes, you know? Like, things will come to you you when... That feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll come to you when you you have it. You never know when it's going to come, but it eventually will. It could take a lifetime, but, you know, you, you just have to let it ride. Uh, and when you speak, it could take a lifetime. Yeah. What is it? Finding oh, your voice oh. through your artwork, well, see, I feel. I think that <laughs> you don't have to wait a lifetime. You can expedite the finding of yourself if you intentionally invest in yourself. Don't run away from it by, you know, these day-to-day addictions of, you know, alcohol or TV or whatever. Really work on yourself. And a lot of people don't do it. People shy away from therapy. They think like, oh, it means that I'm broken. No, it means that you care about your wellness because something has happened to all of us. Yes, I completely agree. I I took therapy. I was in therapy for, I want to say, almost four months. I was going through a really hard time. I know that's a super short period of time to be in therapy, but it really helped, like, the things I learned about myself, the things I learned about my surroundings and the situations that I was putting myself in. And then my 
my childhood, reflecting on what I was feeling at that moment, and my inner child coming out more often, and it was a lot. But that time that I was in therapy and just talking about everything and realizing why these things were happening the way they were in my mind, it just opened up so many doors. And my therapist, when we first started, she was this great analogy and I use it all the time. She said, we're going to take your book off the shelf and we're going to open it if you want to. And we're going to read it, and then when we're done reading it, we're going to put it back on the shelf, or we're going to give it away. It all depends on what you want to do with your book. And I just thought that that was so amazing. Like, I just feel like that is therapy. Like, you're opening up your book, and you're reading it, and you're either moving on from it or you're putting it back on the shelf and you could come back to it whenever you feel like it you know like it really does help and i feel like more people i feel like everybody and certainly like people who have certain jobs like corrections officers or um like people who have high risk jobs they need therapy like it should be mandatory yeah. in my opinion but i also think some of those people uh, on top of the job that they have, some of them are called to it because they had childhood abuse growing up. And mm -hmm. sometimes, well, I don't, know, I don't know what the percentage is, but so many people get, go get those jobs with trauma unchecked. And um, I think about yeah. like, a lot of the police officers, you know, there's just so much brutality. And I'm wondering, you know, how many of them mm -hmm. have unchecked, unprocessed trauma, and that is why they sought those jobs. They take it out on other people because it was put on them, and we're just traumatizing the whole world kind of thing. And it's because we're not looking yeah. inward, and we can't change the world unless we turn to ourselves first. Yep. Yeah, totally agree, 100%. Yeah, it's just basically taking it out on other people and creating the same process over and yes. over and over again it's just not healthy yeah. hurt people hurt people yep so true so back to the artist thing though like um finding your voice through your art when if anyone is struggling out there to like find their niche or just like figuring out why they create what they create, I think it's a good idea to sit down and look at the work you've created and if it sparks joy, if it doesn't spark joy, like moving on from it and all that stuff, ask yourself what you want out of your work and what's most important to you. Or e even if it's the fact that you're creating just to create, like how Jackson Pollock spent plattered the paint on the canvas <laughs> like he did that for his expression what expression are you putting through your work um is it a mental thing do you create for the benefits of creating like the physical touch of clay or the paint on over the brush and the feeling or is it for to support yourself and for the money aspect are you creating it just because you know that you can get a paycheck from it like there there are so many different resources 
to figure out why you're doing it, but when it comes down to it, it's it's what you feel inside. Like, what's most important to you through your artwork is, and that should it shouldn't should It's going to your voice is going to come out through all of that. Like, what you find important is going to be your voice in a way. I agree. But, but what were you asking me? What? I want to... Oh, it was, it was just me oh, okay. saying my opinion about... <laughs> it was just me. Well, I agree. I was answering my own question, in a way. <laughs> yeah. I have one last question. And this is a listener question. And she wants to know our thoughts on getting stuck with an identity or being known for something which hinders our growth and our experiments. Yeah, I think yeah, because I actually know of other ceramicists who deal with that too, and it's uh, Mm -hmm. the only thing I can relate to personally, uh, and it's funny to me because. When I learned early on, I remember my first teacher telling me um, something like, you aren't worth your weight if you can't pull a handle. (laughs) And and like, what? I didn't really like pulling handles. (laughs) So I felt super terrible, you know? And um, I shied away from them by making branch handles. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to build them and make them look like branches because I like trees, you know? And um, there you go. <laughs> once I took got the courage to pull handles, and I'm telling you, it was years. <laughs> I either hand built them by slabs <laughs> or I did branches. But after some time, I was like, okay, I think I'm good. I'm gonna try, you know. And um, I started pulling them. People were like, "Where are the branch handles?" <laughs> and I'm just like, what? Oh. <laughs> and I, re- I realized, oh <laughs> shit, like. It really doesn't matter if I can pull handles or not, because even if I could, people want and they want something else. And so, um, yeah, it was cool. So what was was the question? (laughs) Basically, what do you do if you feel like you're stuck with a certain identity or being known? more often than I ever did before because I I love pulling handles now I I, there's like a I just like a sexy smoothness I I get it now you know Uh, the fluidity of it to Mm -hmm. the body and everything Uh, but the branch handles are so fun I love drawing the little wood rings so now that I know I'm more than the branch (laughs) I find new enjoyment but at first I felt like I was oh shit am I going to be stuck with this now because that's what people know me as no, I more than this. Yeah. <laughs> so don't let it box you in. <laughs> Although some people might know you as that. If you're scared to let go of it, maybe like sprinkle it in every now and then. Don't don't let that box in make you hate your own work because you loved it at some point, you know. Yeah, that's great advice. I felt the same way about my antler handles. I remember when I was first starting to get popular online and I was like, oh, I do not want to make these handles for the rest of my life and be the only thing Mm -hmm. that I'm known for. Like, that just doesn't sound fun to me and they're a pain in the neck to make, but I do enjoy them when they're finished. 
So I do. I do sprinkle them in every now and again. I do them only twice a year, and it works. Like the people who l- want them um, get them. The people who don't want them, yeah, they get the other work. So yeah, it's it's all about um bringing it everything like in a rotation. Yeah, and healthy boundaries. Yes. Yeah, if you don't want to do anything anymore, if it's sucking the life out of you, then definitely move on from it. Or just tweak it over time, you know, and it turns into so something new. So I think new. that it's, um, I guess, like, good good to us that our, our boxing in was just of handles. Whereas, let's say, someone's known for, like, a particular look, design as a whole, like a kawaii mm-hmm. type. Um, cute sculptures or something uh, and now they want to mm-hmm. do something completely different and the fear of people not knowing who you are anymore and I think that's an overall yeah. sense of like letting go that that is not who you are anymore if you've truly moved on and want to start a new body of work it's almost like a rebirth yeah and that could be mm-hmm. so beneficial in so many ways. Yeah, I guess it's all about like what really truly mm-hmm. matters to you as an artist. If you want to change up any aspect of your work or your artistic identity and what you feel like you're coming across as, then just change it, you know? The only person who you really need to... Uh, need the opinion of is yourself you know you you're the artist you're the one who's making the work then you should have complete and total like range of your work don't let anybody really predict what you're going to make and how you're going to make it it's up to you when it comes down to and i think it's easier when like i again when you're connected with self because you know we are our own worst critics but i feel like that inner voice Mm -hmm. can ultimately be your enemy too saying you know you're shit this isn't good enough but if you invest in yourself and you do self-care and self-love you tell yourself you're badass (laughs) um then you do ultimately just need to you will be your best cheerleader oh yeah definitely yeah just if you have a mirror in your studio, look in it right now and be like, I love you. You're amazing. And just keep repeating it. And whatever you do, just know that you're, you love yourself. You know? That, yes. That's amazing. And all those self, like, doubt and imposter syndrome can take a seat. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Like, I'm like, who, who made that up? <laughs> right? When did the word imposter syndrome even come to right? out? Like, I feel like it's, it's like a, a new word. It's a judgmental thing that society put out there because, like, we are all kick-ass in our own way. You know, and people who don't like it, they're yeah. not your people. Exactly. Yep. You don't need them. You don't need them. If But if they want to buy a mug, <laughs> let them. <laughs> All right. Well, Kate, um, 
where can people find you um, online? I am on Instagram at CBE Ceramics. And there's a link up there. I mean, I'd tell you my website, but it's not done. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole story about that, but I'm like, I don't it know will if people be. want to go into that. So there's a link tree on my, well, if you go to linktree.com backslash CBE Ceramics, then there's several tabs there and you can find my shop link through the link tree. Awesome. Sweet. Do you have anything that you'd like to add? Any questions for me? Um, no, this was great. Um, thank you for reaching out and giving me an opportunity to share some some stuff about myself. And it was great to hear from you and learn some stuff about you. And um, I just love this little podcast corner you've got going on. And uh, yeah, that's oh, thank great. you so much. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate it. And I really, truly wanted to learn more about you and your artwork. I think it's amazing. And I just wanted to know all the nitty gritties behind your inspiration, yeah, thanks, you know? Yeah, thank yeah, you so welcome. much, Kate. I hope you have a w wonderful day. And right, I'll see you care. online. Bye. Alrighty, bye. Thanks for listening. As artists, we all have an artistic identity. Ask yourself, what is it about your art that makes you stand out? And be vulnerable with yourself to learn the reasons why you create what you do. As David Bowie once said, always remember the reason you initially started working was that there was something inside yourself that you felt as if you could manifest it in some way you would understand more about yourself. And on that note, stay baddie, bitches. <laughs>